It's a great thing to see kids walking out to worship with their masks on and their hands going like this as they're talking to each other. I can only imagine what mystery or theological thing they're discussing, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just awesome. So we're going to look today at uh, uh, the Beatitude, Blessed Are the Meek. Uh, as I wrote yesterday in yesterday's letter, I expect that this is, practically speaking, the least believed beatitude. And if you say, well, wait a minute, that's, that's not true. I know that all of you love losing. So in light of that, let me pray. And then, uh, then we'll jump in this morning. Lord, we, we come to you today thanking you for uh, the fact that uh, you came, uh, you lived, you died, you rose again. Uh, you um, not only demonstrated meekness, not uh, least which when you prayed for uh, those people who laid hands on you to kill you, you prayed that your Father would forgive them. But Lord, you have actually provided meekness to us through your life, death, and resurrection. Uh, we participate in your righteousness today. We have a share of that. And so I pray by your spirit, you would impress that upon us today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Matthew 5, 5. This is the word of God. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Um, so I don't know if you've ever inherited anything or not. You know, uh, we tend to think in America that inheritance is a good thing, right? Uh, the, and, and it is. Uh, inheritance is a, is a great thing. The, the problem with inheritance is, in most cases and in most places, someone has to die for you to inherit something, right? <laughs> right? So it's, um, uh, it's a good thing. Uh, it's not, not necessarily a bad thing, but we don't do much to get an inheritance, do we? Except we're born into a family. And now, maybe, maybe if you're from a super dysfunctional family, you've got to do a lot to get an inheritance. But, but for the most part, it's just simply because you're in the family, someone leaves you something, you get it. After my dad died, my, my mom had died about 18 months earlier, uh, we were having dinner at their house, uh, uh, my brother and his kids, and uh, me and Marty and our kids, and we were, we were eating together, and we were realizing we had this house, we had this house full of stuff, old people's stuff, <laughs> that we, we needed to do something with. What are we going to do with all this? And, uh, you know, my, my kids and my, my brother's kids, uh, it, because none of my parents' furniture came from Ikea, they had no interest in any of their antiques or any of the old stuff that they had. And so, and Marty and I are in the stage of life where we're trying to get rid of things, not accumulate more things. And so what were we going to do with this? And so we, my brother and I told everybody gathered around the table, like, before you leave today, grab whatever you want. Uh, and there weren't many takers, really, although my, my, my middle son, uh, he, um, he's a bachelor, uh, he's in the army, and, and he kind of lives like that. And so the light went on for him, and he's like, wait, you mean I could get some silverware? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's not silverware. We call it silverware. It was, 
you know, it was Sears uh, stainless steel that they got as wedding gifts in 1950. Right? So you think, oh, is this something you could take to Antiques Roadshow? And they're like, hey, this is worth $85,000. No, it's not that at all. And so, so he's like, yeah, I'll get that. And so um, he's like, how, how am I supposed to do it? I'm like, well, it's in there in the kitchen. Get, get whatever you want. My brother agreed to that. Well, so he goes and I hear him in the kitchen. I hear some noise and I, I go in there. So he has gone under the sink in the kitchen, got out a trash bag, and he's opening the drawers in the kitchen and just dumping them in a trash bag with all the silverware and all that stuff, you know, because that makes sense. He'll, you know, now he'll have a spoon and a knife and instead of having to eat with his hands. And so um, I just, I didn't give it a whole lot of thought. He throws it in the back of his truck and he's ready to go. And my nieces who were quite proper were just scandalized by this. Like, I can't believe you live like that. And he's like, this is my inheritance. This is awesome. I'll take it. I'll grab it. How is it possible that Jesus could actually stand in front of a group of people like us and say, the meek inherit the land? Now, the, the thing that I find so interesting and fascinating about this is, I, I would submit to you that in many places in the world today, the church is very powerful. And what I mean by that is powerful in witness, powerful in grace, powerful in the spirit. And in many places in the world today, the church is weak grasping after political power, worldly power. Today is October 16th. If you grew up in the Episcopal Church, this is a very important day in the church calendar. Did you know that? Maybe, maybe we don't have many Anglicans here today. Uh, but today, October 16th, 1555, Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley, Hugh Latimer was in his 70s then, uh, and Nicholas Ridley were led out of their jail cell in Oxford, England, tied to a stake and burned for their Christian faith. Today, we've already prayed for 17 Christian missionaries being held uh, I guess kidnapped, who knows, in the nation of Haiti. Listen, listen. If the meek don't inherit the earth, they're all fools. They're crazy. And we should not, I mean, what, what are they doing? They're just some sort of fanatic who is going and making some kind of grand gesture. But if what Jesus said is true, then what we have to grapple with this morning is the fact that what we see 
and what we experience and what we feel in a broken world with our broken sense and our depraved hearts and minds and our, our struggles to, to understand the way that God operates in the world, that the fact of the matter is that when we entrust ourselves to this God, one of his, one of his primary, one of his real things that he says to us is, that the pathway to inheritance, the pathway to uh, greatness is through poverty and death. And so as we look at this text today, I, I'm gonna, I, w- I want you to understand something. We, you know, the blessed are the meek for they uh, will inherit the earth has been milked of most of its meaning because what we tend to think about that is, oh, you know, the, the kind people, the gentle people, you know, they, they are the ones who, you know, that uh, they do well. And we, you know, we put them on, gre- we put this verse on a greeting card with a sheep or a, a, a beautiful sunset or something like that. And we don't really think very much about what's going on here. But if you begin to enter into the actual audience and the actual thing that's going on when Jesus says these words, it begins to become much more applicable and much more challenging and much more encouraging in the end than the ways we tend uh, to think about what these words mean. So AJ said, what, what, what did the original audience hear when Jesus spoke these words? Now, Jesus, when he says the meek uh, shall inherit the earth, is paraphrasing and he's riffing off of a psalm, Psalm 37. Uh, we've already, I think it's, it's, it's somewhere, the, some of those verses are somewhere in the bulletin, but um, those people, those first century Palestinians, those first century people who lived there in Palestine, when they hear these words, this is what they're thinking. Uh, they're thinking about what Psalm 37 says, fret not yourself because of evildoers, be not envious of evildoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices." You see the theme that's coming here. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. So we, uh, because the church is universal, because the church spans the world, we, we take the word there, we've taken the word as appropriately as we should, um, the word there that uh, Matthew, uh, in, in your text, is translated as earth, uh, 2,000 other times in the Bible is translated land. And we hear that and we think, okay, what's the big deal about that? Well, this audience that's hearing this for the first time is at war with itself over this very question. Who's going to inherit the land? Because those, uh, in that audience, I'm certain there are people uh, who are very pro the Roman Empire who is occupying the land. 
There are people in the crowd, even those disciples closest to Jesus, who are called or what we would call zealots. Now, you know, we use that word zealot. Uh, zealot, uh, depending on your perspective, a zealot can either be a freedom fighter or a terrorist. These zealots believed that the land was theirs, and it was theirs by virtue of their racial uh, identity, that they were the children of Abraham. The land had been promised to Abraham. And so by any means necessary, they would do whatever it took to root out the oppressive Roman Empire, and they were violent. In fact, they were so violent that in about 30, 40 years from the time Jesus spoke these words, uh, the Romans would come, they would utterly destroy Jerusalem. They would trap a bunch of these zealots on the top of a mountain, Masada, and those zealots would kill themselves rather than submit to the Romans. So Jesus, you know, striding right into a political argument here, striding right into a, a, uh, a, a thing that is going to be... Uh, terribly, terribly controversial. And I'm sure there were people in the crowd there uh, who were uh, followers of Herod, the Herodians, the Sadducees, who believed that, yes, the way to inherit the earth, to inherit the land, to hold on what little bit of it we can, is to make every possible compromise with the powers that be so we can hold on to what we have. And so Jesus is saying something to them that is an equally offensive and alienating thought. Zealots, you are trying to inherit the land. First of all, you can't, you can't go out and fight and, and kill to get the land. Secondly, those of you who think that you, you, you're, uh, uh, that you get it, uh, simply because you're children of Abraham, yeah, that's a good start. But Jesus doesn't say the descendants of Abraham inherit the land. He says the meek. And how can that be? How can it be that meekness is the pathway to inheritance? How is it that meekness is the pathway to receiving all that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again to bring to us. And it, it just seems, it is it's so hard for us to, to make sense of that, right? Now, oftentimes when I've preached on meekness in the past, people have said to me, hey, hey it sounds like to some degree, meekness means you're a, a doormat. And I've always tried to put up caveats around that so nobody would think that because I don't want to be too offensive about that. But, but, you know, frankly, you know, as I've gotten older, sometimes, yeah, it is a doormat. Sometimes meekness does mean you get run over. You see, what happens to us is, and what Jesus is getting at here is, is that when we entrust ourselves, as the writer of Psalm 37 says, that we don't fret ourselves over evildoers and that we don't, become, we don't measure or seek uh, the blessing of God because of how we're doing as far as the... Uh, 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 others in the culture around us are doing, that we simply entrust ourselves into the hands of our God. We take him at his word and we believe that he cares and provides for us. If you don't believe that, as I said earlier, the, these, these martyrs, this great tradition of martyrdom that we have in the Christian church makes no sense at all. 
So, so what, is, what is Jesus getting at here? So what, what is this meekness? What is this thing that he's talking about? Well, I came across this quote from uh, Tish uh, Harrison Warren this week that I thought was really helpful with this because I usually think of meekness as a strategy. <laughs> right? I think of meekness as a way to get other people to do what I want them to do. Right? If I'm just kind to you, if I'm just gentle towards you, if I'm just loving towards you, then, then you'll change. You'll, you'll start getting that way. You'll become like that. And you know what? Sometimes that actually happens. Sometimes we, our kindness and our gentleness actually wins people, and sometimes it hardens them. Sometimes it makes them meaner. <laughs> sometimes it makes them worse, Right? So, so what, what, are, what are we to, to make of this? Well, uh, Tish says this, right? Be kind because God is kind to you. That's good. Be humble because you know you're often wrong and are in need of grace. That one doesn't apply to me. Um, but if the shoe fits, you can wear it, right? <laughs> uh, love your enemies because Jesus said to. These are not strategic postures. They won't help your side win. This, might, this won't win friends or the culture. It's simply the call of Jesus. You see, what, what Jesus is getting at here is he's saying, I know that your heart desires the land. I know that your heart yearns for all that God has for you. And, and you look around you and you see it being stolen and you see it being taken and you see it under threat. And so you want to grasp after that thing by using the means of the world to get this blessing. But what Jesus says is, you know, not only, not only is there blessing here for you, but the means to get that blessing cannot be the world's means. They have to be the means of the kingdom. And the means of the kingdom is entrusting ourselves into the hands of the king and not fretting ourselves and being overwhelmed by uh, the evil and the wickedness that is around us, being willing to lose, even as Jesus is willing to die, knowing that we have his promise that we belong to him, that he holds us, and he will see us through to the end. Even if we lose everything in this life. Let me say that again. Even if we lose everything in this life, because, brothers and sisters, we are. We will lose everything someday that this life has for us. Our health, our uh, wealth, all of those things. We don't carry those with us into eternity. And so what, what Jesus is saying to us here, and, and, and not only do we see him actually providing this by his atoning death, by his sacrifice for us, but what we see him challenging us here is, is that the law of the kingdom, the obedience that he is calling on his people to, to exercise is a costly obedience. 
that it might even to, to be pursuers of the kingdom, to be pursuers of the land, to be pursuers of our rightful inheritance of the whole earth, means that we will not use the world's means to achieve that end. That is so hard. So hard. So hard. Now, let me, let me be, be clear about this. Next slide. Um, but what about injustice? What about things that are really wrong? What about uh, our, our uh, society, our world's uh, uh, attitude that some lives are worth more than others? What about the fact that uh, so much of our uh, uh, society and culture is built around the powerful, the attractive, and weirdly, the famous? I don't, you know, that's, that's a weird one to me because fame is, that's not even significant. It's just fame, Right? But we, we place, we, we think that that is the pathway to blessing and that those people that have those things actually are the inheritors of the kingdom. Now we tell the truth. We bear witness to the crucified one. We bear witness to the reality of the sinfulness and the brokenness of the world. And we love our enemies enough to tell them that the pathway to life is through Jesus Christ. Yeah, we don't, we don't back off from that. And we, we stand up for the poor, the broken, the weak. Yeah, we, we do that. But we don't do that in a way that looks more like the world than it does our Savior. And so, as, as Jesus gets at this today, one of, the, one of the things that we have to say is, there, is there any room and meekness for anger? Yes, there is. And I, I, I thought this was a, a, a great way to put it. Uh, the one who is meek is the one who becomes angry on the right grounds against the right person in the right way at the right moment for the right length of time. So you check those boxes, <laughs> Right? You're, 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 you're in the meekness camp when you begin to check those boxes. And I was, I was, as I was thinking about this, um, I'm an equal opportunity. You know, I, I, I feel like I get this right some because I'm angry all the time. And so if you're angry all the time, then some of the time you got to be right about that anger, right? So at least at, least at some point or another, I'm right about that because I'm, I'm angry and that's a good thing to be angry, and I'm angry at the right person, uh, and I'm usually angry in the right way, but uh, for the right length of time, I'm never angry for the right length of time because I can nurse a grudge like a baby. I like to hold on to my grudges, you know? They give me a lot of life. Uh, and it's, it's hard to believe that the people with whom I have a grudge might... Be recipients of the love of God. We talk a lot around here, we talk a lot around here about loving our enemies, but meekness is the pathway to be able to love those who are, who are our enemies. 
And, and the fact of the matter is, uh, as we take these stands and as we do the things that Jesus calls us to do, we do it in the confidence, not so much that we're right, not so much that uh, our righteous anger is right, but we do it because we have the promise that Jesus Christ has said to us, because he gave up everything, he gives to us everything. That's our hope. That's what we lean into, and that's what we look forward to, and that's our expectation, that that is what the gospel does, uh, and, and that is how Jesus works this out in and through us. Uh, we're going to pray now, and I think it would be a good thing for us to pray, especially uh, for our brothers and sisters who are uh, living in meekness uh, under the threat today of martyrdom uh, for their, as we've read from Psalm 37, their turning and entrusting themselves to the Lord. So let's pray for them. Lord, we thank you today that these words are true. And I pray today for faithful witness uh, that as your meek followers around the world worship today, serve today, love today under threat, uh, that you would give them power, that you would give them energy, that you would give them hope, and that you would give them trust to bear witness to the truth. And yes, Lord, we, we pray for their protection uh, because, well, we know that we are weak and you know that we are but dust, but we pray for more than protection. We pray for glory. We pray for powerful witness. And Lord, I pray for their oppressors, for their haters, for those who would come against the people of God that you would encourage and strengthen the people of God to bear witness in meekness and truth and courage and boldness uh, to the crucified one, to the empty tomb, to literally the hope of the world. And would you do that? And Lord, would you give us the ability to believe these words and to entrust ourselves and our children, others that we love, into your hands. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's confess our sins together by using uh, this confession of sin that's printed uh, in the bulletin also up on uh, the screens behind me. Pray with me. Almighty God, gracious Father, I confess that we have sinned against you. The gospel proclaims that all of your loving kindness is in your Son, I hear the good news and trust that he died for me, his blood to pay for my debts of wrong, his worthiness for my unworthiness, his sinlessness for my transgression, his purity for my uncleanness, his sincerity for my guile, his truth for my deceits, his meekness for my pride, his constancy for my backslidings, his love for my enmity, his fullness for my emptiness, his faithfulness for my treachery, his obedience for my lawlessness, his glory for my shame, 
his devotedness for my waywardness, his righteousness for my dead works, his death for my life. Amen. Christians, hear these words of encouragement. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. <clears throat> 